This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! And my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 332, and tonight I've uncovered a hidden gem of a haunted house comedy for you. It's the 2011 film The Selling, and joining me are from Not About Lumberjacks, Christopher Gronland. And from Defender Radio, Michael Howie. So you can bet not only is this episode going to get weird, it's going to get beard. But before we go a step further, please allow me to once again introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I've been your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you are going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Ha 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 ha! Gay laughter. So, once upon a time, I used to do a segment on the show called The Crapshoot, remember? If you don't, that was when I would pick a movie at random. I would literally just dive headfirst into that vast sea of direct-to-video horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. Normally, I wouldn't find it. Normally, it would be a huge piece of shit and everyone would have a great time listening to me rip things to pieces. But, every now and then, I'd find a gem. So once upon a time, a movie like The Selling would be a crapshoot selection. But I've already told you that it's fabulous. And to be perfectly honest, I don't have that sound clip anymore but with, with, the, with, the, with the guns and the boom and the farting and all that stuff. That's that fun intro thing. I can't find it because the computer crashed. Nobody cares. But finding great new stuff for you to watch has always been a huge passion of mine. And today I'm going to give you a little something extra. Not only did they give you a great movie to watch, I'm going to give you a fabulous new scary podcast for you to listen to. And I'm talking about... Tell me a story, the true life of Jacob Stanley. It's like a found footage movie, but in podcast form. But rather than me trying to explain it to you, why don't I just play you a trailer? Enjoy. In October of 2011, four college students disappeared in the woods near Porter Township, Pennsylvania, while researching a documentary on children's author Jacob Stanley. They remain missing to this day. Last month, their recordings appeared online. In an effort to aid in the investigation, the families of those missing have agreed to release the following sound files. File labeled 001 Rough Cut, Episode 1, Tell Me a Story, The True Life of Jacob Stanley. WTV New York. If your child has been to a school book fair recently, chances are they came home with one of this author's scary books. Our guest tonight's first anthology leapt to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Over the past few years, he has become a household name. The gap between Alvin Schwartz and Stephen King, his work has been described as subversive and dark. I simply describe it as genius. It is my pleasure to introduce... Please welcome... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Jacob Stanley. Mr. Jacob Stanley. Jacob Stanley. Little to nothing is known about the life of this elusive author. And since 1999, Jacob Stanley seems to have completely dropped off the face of the earth. 
From Boo Labs and Red Cup Media, I'm Tolan Reed. And I'm Avery Fisher. This is Tell Me a Story, the true life of Jacob Stanley. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcasters and participants and do not represent the official policy or position of the Iphigenia County Police Department of Porter Township, Pennsylvania, or its associates. Tell Me a Story, The True Life of Jacob Stanley is a bi-weekly podcast, premiering November 17th on podcast platforms everywhere. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Great spooky stuff. Obviously, it's way past November 17th, so the show has premiered. I think they're on about episode nine or 10 right now. I'm still working my way through, and so far I'm really enjoying it. It's one of these things that I can't walk around town listening to because it's so intricate and involved, but it's mixing like the best worlds of like true crime and like serial and of course found footage horror movies. But I love the idea that what if somebody like Christopher Pike was evil as fuck? I like that idea. I like it a lot, and I'm really enjoying it, and I hope you will too. Please let me know what you think. Okay, now back to the selling. Even though Michael, Christopher, and I go out of our way not to spoil the ending of the selling, you might want to play along at home anyway. And you can do that by watching it on Amazon Prime or checking it out on Tubi TV for free. I think that's all I've got for you for right now. I got some fun personal stuff waiting for you after the boys leave and some listener voicemail as well. So stick around after the session. But for now, why don't you kick back, relax, and enjoy the trailer for the selling. What kind of real estate agent reads Nietzsche and tries to get his clients to not buy a house? It was the quote of the day. I'm Richard Scarry, like the children's book author. What children's book author? There was a children's book author named Richard Scarry. Would you like to see the place? Yeah, sure. Hello? Haunted? What, like by a ghost? Are you here to see the house? I would focus just on getting rid of the property as quickly as possible. This is the pantry. Lots of cupboard space. A bit drafty sometimes. This is the kitchen. Running water. Is this house haunted, Mr. Scary? Haunted? Yes, haunted. This house? Yes. Haunted. Uh-huh. Sometimes the bedroom closet becomes a portal to the spirit realm. Hi, I'm Father Jimmy. It's a pleasure to meet you. You're not Richard! What gave me away? Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Did you think you could get away from me so easily, bitch? Richard, why are you acting so strangely? Okay, so things in the world right now are kind of scary. I mean, people are really stressed out. The world is scary enough, so I figured... For this episode, let's do something a little lighter, something a little not so terrifying because the world's terrifying enough, right? So I found a really great movie about real estate, about flipping houses, selling houses, and nothing else except for the 
doesn't ghost the serial killer and the demon. But that's not the point right now. And you know what? It's no fun to flip a house by yourself. So I decided to bring in the most burly, manly, bearded motherfuckers that I know. The bearded boys are back in town. Please put your hands together and welcome back to the Scream Queen Studio, Christopher Gromlin and Michael Howie. As if I do not care. <laughs> I care, Michael. I care. Well, that's nice of you. Michael pretends yeah. he doesn't care, but just he cares about everything. He does. He's he does. the world's greatest uncle, according to his mug. I am. It's very important to uh, recognize one's achievements. Did you buy it for yourself? That's, it. that's Mike's achievement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went out and I bought the mug for myself, and that was a pretty big achievement this year. Prove me that, wrong. Yeah. Okay, because normally he just outside. he'd shoplift it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got away this with it. Clearly made for me. It's mine. I'm just leaving with it. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, boys, boys, Christopher, 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 Christopher. It has been a hot minute since you've been here. How have you been? How are things in Texas? Oh, gosh. Should I have asked that? Never mind. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have said that. I'll just skip all that because I think the world knows how things how are, are you? How are you? I, I am doing well. You know, always doing the podcast thing. I do the one show with a friend, Men in Gorilla Suits, and, of course, not about lumberjacks is the big thing and just keep going with that. And then other than that, you know, just avoiding the worst parts of Texas and enjoying the, what little good remains here. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, that's good. Make the best of a hideous situation. That's pretty much yeah. the American motto right now. And speaking of the American motto, we're going to leave it. We're just, we're just abandoning the country right now. We're going to go up to Canada and say, hi, Michael Howie. How are you? Did you see any hot truckers? Uh, oh, I saw so many truckers that were were warm, um, and I have so many thoughts about how warm they are that I would like to express to them, um, especially with all of the family I had. They got kept awake by the honking. Oh, you, you were in the middle of that? I'm sorry. See, I thought so. There was a video that they played on one of the late night shows. I think it was Seth Meyers. Oh, and it was Colbert, and it was the, the, the truckers and the honking, and some guy just came out on a balcony. He was a bearded dude in glasses, and it's, it could have been Michael Howe, and he's like, you guys are just shut the fuck up. Get out of here and shut the fuck up. And they were just like, if this is Canada, <laughs> get Canadian up there. You heard the oot. Yeah, we, we, we get tough when it comes to people being loud in winter, and it's not involving hockey. Uh, so <laughs> understandable, understandable. Yeah. Cause you hear the, you hear the, you hear the, you hear the loud noise and you think, Oh, a hockey game must've broken out. We have to go flee to it immediately. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, uh, everyone stops for a Timmy's on the way. Sure. Sure. Mm. Uh, okay. no, things are doing good though. We're coming out of winter. Finally, it's starting to feel like spring. Um, everyone's excited for that. Doing the podcast thing too, with the Fender radio and the switch and the end of time and other bothers trying to have some fun. And uh, really looking forward to chatting about this great movie you picked. Yeah, and I also wanted—I also wanted to congratulate you on finally finishing that vagina refurbishment that you were going through because it really helped. We were supposed to record this weeks ago, but you know, Michael's privates yeah. caved in on himself. It, it, it actually hasn't been finished yet, but they <laughs> did just pour the concrete over top of the rough in, and then a cat walked on it. 
Uh, I'll send you pictures of the pussy footprints in the vagina rejuvenated roughen cement pouring portion. All right, there's the show. Hey, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, I no, I, I've I've moved and I'm in the middle of a renovation still. Uh, and anyone who's done renovations, I have very quickly learned this whole concept of, oh, it'll be done by X is really just kind of a subtle way of laughing in your face without them telling you. Yeah, it could be. It won't be, but it could be. Yeah, <laughs> the possibility okay. exists. You know what? Speaking of refurbishments, let's talk about some real estate, shall we? So the movie that we are talking about today, I stumbled across totally by accident. It is a 2011 horror comedy called The Selling. Christopher Gronlin, since it has been a hot minute since you've been here, it is your job to give me a nice, tight, 30-second, back-of-the-DVD plot summary of The Selling. The clock's right now! Okay, Richard Scary, who looks just like the children's book author, he is a shitty realtor, and he works for a really evil realtor who convinces him to take on a haunted house. Now, throughout all this, things get worse and worse, plenty of good tropes, and he brings in the aid of a ghost blogger, and together everybody battles eh, your time is up eh, my time is up your okay. time is up the well world... see i wanted to leave it on a cliffhanger where it's like everybody battles and the, then what happens well that's why you gotta listen well to you the failed miserably michael howard do you have anything you want to add to the clock starts now richard scary wants to flip a house that turns out to be haunted to get money for his mom's cancer treatments hilarity and difficulty ensues there you go well done well done. I like that better because, oh, come on. He's not the world's worst real estate agent. He's an honest real estate agent. He's possibly Canadian. He's too nice to be a real estate agent. Which would make him the worst one in the world. You know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what? I told him not to take the loan. You're hopeless, Richard. You're 100% completely hopeless. Why? Because I won't ruin a couple lives so I can make a commission? Yes. That's what you do. You're a real estate agent. You convince people to buy houses even if they can't afford it. I don't think that's what a real estate agent does. You know what your problem is, Richard? Can you keep your hand on the wheel, please? You're too nice. That's what your problem is. Oh, really? Is. What's wrong with being nice? Nobody ever got anywhere by being nice. Right, like, can, can you be a realtor and be like, honestly, this house is a great fit for you and this is the fair value? Mm. I was going to say, even an ancient unnamed evil says he's too nice. Mm. Everybody tells me he's too nice. He's too nice. Yeah. He does not look like Richard Scary at all, either. Fly. He just shares the name, no. Richard Scary. Except he doesn't have he worms. He looks like Harry Dean Stanton. He does look like Harry Dean Stanton. I don't know about you guys. I loved this movie. Fuck yeah. It was so much fun. So much fun. And the the performers make it work. They really do. They really do. It, and I, I'm just doing research on it, discovering that it's crowdfunded. That makes sense. And that it was written, the guy who stars in it, Gabriel Diani also wrote it. You know, his, his, his life partner is also in the movie. I'm going, this makes sense. This feels like something that a bunch of friends got together and did. And it's also impeccably cast. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
everybody in this top to bottom, like even the small parts, they are played to the nines for everything that they're worth in the best possible way. I love this movie. It's charming as hell. Absolutely. And the way it's cast again, it you're absolutely right. And it feels like a family affair. It feels like a sketch comedy group or a community almost of people. And they said, yeah. oh, I'm writing this part with that person in mind because I've played with them on stage and they know they'll hit those marks or they'll make these jokes work. And it's written for them, and then they perform it perfectly, and it all just comes together. You're right. I mean, there's no big budget in terms of the cinematography, but you don't need it. No, no, no. There's, there's very few special effects and stuff, but what they do use, they use well. Yeah. And what I also appreciate it, one of my favorite things when I watch what I've said on other podcasts is when I come across not necessarily a horror movie, but any movie where I don't know the cast at all because I don't know what to expect from them. Mm-hmm. And so with this one, everybody was so on point and things kept going in so many different unexpected directions. I said, this could turn at any point and go serious. Like, so there were points like where, where things started to get dark and were actually scary. I'm like, this might go really bad for these people right now. And I'm not sure. Yeah. And it was a nice feeling. It was a nice feeling. Granted, it usually went okay. Yeah. The only the two actors I knew, um, Simon Helberg and Barry Bostich or Bostick. Um, mm -hmm. Bostwick. <laughs> Bostwick, yes. Yeah, it was his okay. birthday the other day. It was his birthday the I, other day, and you said I'm his name terrible. wrong. You're the worst. I, I, I say names wrong. But anyway, you know, that was the charming thing about it. They had bit parts, but the rest of it was totally sincere. And the way that everybody played it, I mean, they played it seriously. So, like Patrick said, the creepy parts, there's one part where one of the goopier guys ends up possessed and he's got a knife, and it's like, oh, this is actually genuinely really, really creepy. Mm -hmm. And the way, that, like you said, it's low budget, but they did just enough with like the switching of the way that certain people were seeing things. And then it was just dark, but not too long. It didn't like, hey, we're funny. Now let's go super dark. It was just, here you go. And then boom. It was very much enough to create stakes, I think, right? So enough to be like, you you now, you have sort of a connection to the characters and then, oh no, is that, is that actually, like Patrick, you were saying, is that actually going to happen? That could happen. Mm -hmm. And then they they give you a smash cut to something else or, right? Because the, the, the tension building is the same in comedy as it is in horror. It's just how you release it is different. Please don't talk about releases on my show. Well, it's just that there, there's something about coming on to this podcast, <laughs> watching you smoke and saying release that just and hits me right. right. I don't know. Right arm there. You know, my, no, she's asleep now. <laughs> okay. My, my, and he went home. So <laughs> you're not gonna pay, if you're not going to look at me, I'm just going to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, the one, my one big beef with the movie, there's not a single beard to be found anywhere. <laughs> That is a little upsetting. Not one. Not one. I understand it's a budget thing. <laughs> you got to pay more for the bearded people, and then the beard has to have its own craft table, and it's, it's, all, it's all things. It's a whole thing. But you know what? Uh, if you look at Gabriel Diani uh, on his IMDb profile, he's got a handsome mustache. You know what? Gabriel, Gabe Diani is, is, is an attractive man. He's, 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 he's um, you know, lanky and... Un unconventionally attractive. That picture is a thirst trap <laughs> on IMDb. Oh, that yeah, that no, that looks like a 1970s burned out cop smoking in a perfect suit with the light yeah. just right. He's got a he's got a Sam Elliott mustache, which I know has got to be fake. It's a Sam Elliott style mustache, which I just am imagining tickling in places. I'm not going to mention because I'm classy. 
and and like his shirt's open and the Chester's having a girl, 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 <laughs> girl. I'll buy any house from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, I want to talk about the cast a little bit. There's, I mean, you won't recognize most of them, but some of them you do. Um, like Gabriel Diani. I mean, I don't recognize him from anything. First of all, his partner is also in the film, Edda Devine, who plays the psychic Ginger. in this, the psychic, the psychic ghost blogger. And they they worked on another project called uh, Danny and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. And it won all kinds of awards and it sounds fabulous. And by the way, everybody calm down. Danny and Divine does not start Divine. Divine. It's not John Waters Divine. Okay, because that would be amazing. That's a whole other movie, but still. Still. We we can dream. We can dream. <laughs> no, but he's he's great. Very he's very charming. Extremely charming. Very fun to watch. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, Carter Siddle, who I play with Indiana Time and is a Toronto-based performer who you will have seen on some big-name shows uh, here and there that film in Toronto in that he has he has a similar look overall, but it's also the ability to be very genuine and warm and kind and then just in an instant over-the-top physical humor, big explosive movements and jokes, and then back to being just totally genuine. Please don't talk about explosive movements on my show. (laughs) (laughs) We we need a a list for me or something. (laughs) Yeah, apparently he can't say coming. He can't talk about, you know, all kinds of stuff there. You know, it's it's all just it's just because of him, because of the voice. It's the it deep is. voice that makes everything sound extra dirty. Uh, well, I mean, I just want to talk about a pianist needing a good cleaning. Uh, That's cheesy. Okay, well, it was the first one to my head. I mean, I wasn't prepared. Dick cheesy. <laughs> I laughed, Mike. I tr- Very enjoyable I tr- performer. I, tr- I tried. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> Like this. Okay, so what's the setup here? Like the movie's opening. What's the setup here? What's happening? Like what? 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 what we, when we meet, when we first meet, when we first meet Dave and Richard Scary, what's going on? What are they doing? At the beginning of the movie, I don't remember. They're checking out the house that their coworker Mary Best has recommended for them, and Mary Best is the worst. <laughs> oh, she is terrible. <laughs> She's great. She's Played by great. Janet Varney. Janet Varney, who is actually on a show called You're the Worst, which was great. That was a great, evil, twisted show. And it was also on um, Stan versus Evil, which I started watching at the beginning of quarantine and turned off because it was depressing me. But uh, I want to go back to I actually had the exact same reaction and just saw it again in looking her up on IMDb and thought that looks like fun. But something that I probably saw and avoided for the exact same reason mm-hmm. and now want to go check out. But she also, it, she's another one of these performers, tons of voice credits, tons of little bits and pieces here and there, which is this entire cast. Yeah. She's trying to get them to buy this house so they can flip it. They, she recommended it to it. And Richard Scarry's like, listen, don't trust her. Don't buy anything from her. Don't buy anything from her. There's a, if she's trying to sell it to it to it, us, there's a reason she wants to sell it to us. You know what? I'm going to give you two a minute to talk. Why not? Why not? Mary Best is involved. That's why not. The woman never does anything that's not out of self-interest. Don't look a gift bag in the mouth, all right? Horse. What? Gift horse, not bag. 
They both have mouths. Look, the point is, this house is a good investment, all right? The plumbing's good, the bones are good, there is nothing wrong with this house, plus she is very hot. Mary, what's wrong with the house? Dude, she's outside. No, she's listening on the stairs. Did you guys say something? What's wrong with the house? Nothing. But Dave is more gung-ho, his partner Dave. Yeah. His partner. Why is Dave more interested, more eager to buy the house for Mary Best than Richard Scarry? Because he has the hots for her to begin with. You didn't tell me she was your contact. Would you have come? What do you think? Look, I know she's not your favorite person in the world. Mary Best cannot be trusted. Yes, but she's hot. She's hot. Yeah. yeah. She's hot. <laughs> and Dave, Dave, Dave is the Michael Howie of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Although I could see Mike saying we're not investing in a murder house, but aside from that, <laughs> I actually have said that in my life a few times. Incidentally, <laughs> I don't, I'm not investing in a murder house that's this far away from a gay bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it was two blocks closer, IBM. But come on, I've got my curve. I've got my kinks. Uh yeah. So yeah, they they want to buy this house. They're looking at the house, and they wind up they wind up buying it. The whole idea is they're going to flip it and sell it to help get money. For Richard's mom's cancer treatment. Richard's mom, Mrs. Scary, loved her. She was great. Yep. How was your day? Fantastic. I love my job. Oh. You're a terrible salesman, sweetie. Thanks. No, no, you're, you're a good human being. You're just a terrible salesman. <laughs> Why does everyone seem to think they're mutually exclusive? You're very sweet. How was your day? It was very good, very good, thank you. TV and I, what did we do? We, we solved three murders, we fell in love twice, and we prevented one nuclear attack. Sounds exciting. Impeccable, impeccable performance. Nancy Lanahan, I spent the whole movie going, why do I know you? Yes. Why? Exactly. Another one, why do I know you? And I looked at, I'm looking at the IMDb, and she's got like 300 credits. So I'm just sifting through and sifting through. And they're great credits. I mean, she's going all the way back to, like, the original V miniseries. And, and um, she was on Quantum Leap, Tracy Ullman show. She did voices over on Gabriel Knight, the video game, Grace Under Fire. She's been on Veep for a couple of seasons. And then it hit me. There it was staring me right in the face. I said, oh, she was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she played Pat from the Dead Man's Party episode. Oh, my word. Oh, you must be Buffy. Look at you. Aren't you a picture? Oh, I'm Pat from your mom's book club. I'm sure she mentioned me. Actually, I um, I sort of took it upon myself to look after her while you were, you know, off and away or what have you. And anyway, I'm off. We're, we're making empanadas in my Spanish class tonight. Now, I know a whole lot of my lesbian li listeners just flip the fuck out because there is so she was only on one episode, but there is so much fan fiction about Pat. <laughs> and, it's, and it's all really twisted. <laughs> it was That was the episode, if you don't remember, it's like when Buffy ran away for the summer and then came back and she found out that her mother all of a sudden had seemingly gone into a lesbian relationship with a woman in a book club that just kept forcing bananas on everybody. And everybody hated her. <laughs> she was a despicable character. She got possessed in that too. I loved her. And one of the things that I thought was great is that she's got cancer. That's a major issue with this relationship, but her character is more than that. It's not, she's not just played for cancer. No, not at all. She's a warm, loving mother. She's got a sense of humor. She has expectations and hopes for her son. 
that like they give her a lot of depth very quickly, which is an impressive feat of writing, I think. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, so many times you introduce a cancer victim into a story, and that's all they're supposed to be. They're just supposed to you're supposed to see them sitting in their little head wrap and mm-hmm. being sad, and miserable, and that's all they talk about. No, and she sold it well. And I appreciated that the cancer stuff, like you said, isn't a huge thing because so many times it's like, oh, look, this person has cancer. And like Patrick said, head wrap and they sit in a chair and they do nothing. They actually showed some of the rougher moments where, I mean, the first time you see her, she's fallen and she's just been on the ground for who knows how long until Richard found her. And she's so sweet. And, you know, she... So many of the things that she says early in support of Richard come to fruition at the end. And when she's possessed, she's fucking great, too. She's a wonder in that whole movie. I loved her. All right. All right. All right. What's wrong with the house? We know it's we know it's 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 haunted. We know it's haunted. How haunted is it? It's haunted in every way that it needs to be. Well, serial killer haunt. What's wrong with the house? Oh, nothing. The, the sleep stalker used to live here. Sleep stalker? And what's a sleep stalker? He was an alleged serial killer. Unbelievable. But they, they, they never found any evidence that anything happened in the house. Which means we wouldn't be legally obligated to tell anyone about it. Exactly. See, I only told you guys because you're my friends. We are not investing in a murder house. Murderers. No, that, that house gets to play every role it wants to play and becomes a character so quickly and plays such a great antagonist it to plays Richard. so many tropes. You've got the get out. You've got the locked door. You've got bleeding walls. You've got, you know, tribute to Poltergeist, Amityville, pretty much all the haunted house movies. And then they still, you know, put some of their own spin on it. But yes, this house is not just like, oh, hey, there's a couple of ghosts here. I mean, this is where a serial killer lived. This is where, you know, yeah, alleged <laughs> serial killer. Yeah, alleged. So, yeah, the house is definitely a character. And I also loved how, yeah, it had all the tropes and stuff. And then at a certain point, Richard's just like showing the house like, yeah, hey, it's a little bit breezy. Water, yeah, yeah, we'll get to all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I just want to get through this. I want to always like get this up. Okay, tell me about Oliver Crandall. Oliver Crandall, the sleep stalker. Such a creepy storyline, and this is where the comedy horror really comes in because it's you. You don't get the full details about him. You hear about the serial killer who was arrested in the home. There's no proof that any of the murders happened in the home, which is why they don't necessarily have to disclose it. Uh, legally as realtors, uh, again, those sneaky realtors. Um, but you hear that he killed women. Um, and I think it, it had to do while they were asleep. No, there's men too. There's men too. There's, there's men up in the attic too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, well, yes, he did kill women and also men. Also men. Sorry. His name was Oliver Crandall. Right. Um, he was called the sleep stalker because he claimed to have committed the murders in his sleep, like sleepwalking, but with killing no that was a thing me neither and they caught him when he went to a psychiatrist to complain about bad dreams he was having where he was killing people yeah yeah and then the dreams led them to the bodies i thought he wasn't convicted though oh no he wasn't he wasn't he he hanged himself before he could go to trial huh 
I think it's one of the cut scenes that they keep showing. No, that's why it's in my head. With right? the woman right. in the chair. Yeah. But we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. We'll get yeah. there. We'll get yeah. to all and of Yeah, and when he was arrested, he said, I have no memory of this. I was killing them in my sleep. I thought they were dreams. Yes, yes. Which is why he was called the sleep stalker. Yes. And the house is on Elm Street. I was going to bring that up, that the house, and it's also in Overlook, California. Mm. The Shining, Shining yes. Overlook Hotel. It's also a craftsman. That was the one joke I was like, ugh. But they didn't, nobody said it out loud. It was just in the back. I said, some PA did that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, yeah, leave it in, whatever. Because <laughs> nobody says it. Nobody says it. But anyway, what, like you said, one of the things that sold it for me was when we get flashbacks, which happened throughout, particularly with this one victim, who I have to give credit to, Jocelyn Town. One of the reasons this sells so well is all of the scenes with her are played for real. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was genuinely worried about, even though I know she's going to die. I'm like, oh gosh, where are we going to go with this? Where are we going? I don't want to see this. I don't want to see. You keep that knife keeps getting to her throat, and she's playing it for, for keeps. And they're very tense little scenes, the little snippets that you get. And I, I thought that was a great little touch that you, that it's not comic, it's not played for laughs, because everything else is. Okay, so most of the, one of the things I like about this, there's an old style feeling to the comedy. Like this, there's an Abbott Costello-y feely feeling to it, and not quite that, but that, that kind of buddy thing, and it's all the, the, the repartee and stuff, because we have Dave. We have Dave the partner, who is played by um, Jonathan Klein. And um, most of the stuff I didn't recognize. I'm sorry, Jonathan, but he was in Green Plaid Shirt. Green Plaid Shirt was one of the fundamental, one, one of the fundamental films from the early 90s that was about AIDS. Okay. It's, it's like one of the, the touched on ones. So brave to do that. Cause that was still in the time. Like, Oh, you do, yeah. you do movies like this. You don't work anymore. Cause you know, AIDS is a risk and you get on the list and you know, are you going to be an insurance risk? Mm. He played, he's a, a hoot. Oh he's yeah. He, hoot. he played a great, he, he played the role that any scene needed him to play as the buddy. And every position, pos- Every possible position you put the buddy in for comedy like this, he was in. He would bend over backwards to be in I the joke, you. Patrick. I hate you. I hate he you. Would, <laughs> he would just put his hands up against the wall and take whatever he had to take to get the joke out. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if the listeners can really tell, but Patrick keeps making very overt facial expressions at me as I say these things, which forces me to then lean into them because I actually don't notice them at first. I just then lean into it for you, Patrick. Take it as far as I can. We, we, they had that conversation that, where they were, we talked about earlier that Richard's too nice to be a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Dave's like, nobody got anywhere for being nice. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> We've got all the maple syrup, though, don't we? <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. No, we're, we're all jealous of you. But when, when <laughs> just joke, they're, they're sitting outside the house to go in for the first time and he's like i'm not going in and dave looks at him and goes stop being such a cameron fry i'm not getting out of this car stop being a cameron fry not being a cameron fry you are being a cameron fry i'm not a cameron fry my god i'm a cameron fry they didn't explain the joke and i appreciated that who's cameron fry you don't don't know know. you guys suck cameron fry was was ferris Bueller's wet blanket sidekick. Oh, okay. Duh. In the Red Wings jersey. Yes, the guy in the the Red Wings. Played by whose's? Him. Him. Don't say Red Wings on my show. Don't say Red Wings on my show. Please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that, Mike. Mike's so Canadian, he doesn't know what we're talking about. No. (laughs) (sighs) 
It's well, a hockey if gonna, team. If you're, if you're gonna say it, say it in your Sizzler voice. Red Wings. That's not a Sizzler voice. Oh, the Sizzler voice. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sizzler voice. Red Wings. That's a different. That's wrong too. It's a different kind of sizzle. I guess they don't have them up there either. <laughs> so you don't have Sizzlers. We have Harveys. You can reliably get a veggie Why burger at a Harveys anywhere in Canada. They've got great poutine. Don't say poutine on my show. <laughs> just how it drips what? and just oozes and just sits there. It's all and about the, getting the right cheese curd. <laughs> okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's true. Stop it. Stop right. it. Stop it. <laughs> all right, so the guys wind up buying the house, and we get a getting ready montage, which I always apply, which I always enjoy. Yeah. A good getting married montage. And we have two of them. But the first time that they're finding out that the house is haunted, it's little things. They're just getting ready, and you know they're up a ladder, and they put a box of tools down, moves across the room, things like that. And the big thing was that thing. They're working in, on opposite sides of the hall, and you hear, Get out. What? What? What did you just say? Dude, I didn't say anything. Get out. Really? You went with the Sizzler voice? What? Sizzler. It's the same voice. Get out. See? That wasn't you, was it? You? It's funny, though. It kind of did sound like the Sizzler voice. It's a great little bit, though, right? Like, it's, it's so simple, but just elevates the moment and shows both comedy and genuine reactions and leads to an outstanding scene. I could see me having this conversation with one of my asshole friends in a house that I thought was like, yeah, you use the Sizzler voice, really? That wasn't you, was it? No. <laughs> I just love how this plays out. It winds up with Richard going up to the attic, the attic which has been locked this whole time, and nobody mm-hmm. has the key, and all of a sudden the door magically opens. And they don't, you don't want to go up there. He's like, hey, he justifies it. Squatters. It's squatters. Yeah. They're just trying to scare us out Scooby-Doo style. Perfectly reasonable explanation. And he gets up there and... He, he actually sees ghosts. There's ghosts. There's ghosts up there. Straight up ghosts. And the effects I thought were decent. Like, they're not great, but they do ghost effects differently than I've seen in other movies. And that I thought was interesting. And then they added to the effect. They upped the stakes when the ghost screamed and the throat just slid itself. Yeah. And they had that little touch of gore. It was a nice little scare for someone who doesn't scare. Was like, oh shit, we're going there. Okay. That was unexpected. And I just love, he's, he's trying to get out of the attic and the door has locked itself again. The ghost keeps going, get out. He's like, I'm trying. <laughs> well, I guess it's the genuine reactions, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get out. Let me get out. Well, and Patrick uh, talked about how the comedy is set up and some of those recurring bits. Because with uh, Dave, he lo- he forgets his keys, so that's when they go back in. Try it now. Still locked. Give me the keys. What? Give me the keys, quick. Okay. Did you get him? Get what? My keys. I just threw them to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Did you just lose my keys? You left them in the house, didn't you? No. Yes, but I didn't see you reminding me to pick them up. You didn't have to pretend like you still had them. 
It's ridiculous. Wait, where are you going? To get your keys. You can't go back in there. It's haunted. What do you want me to do? Call my mom, ask her to pick us up? You think she would? And there are all these scenes with the keys, but then it reaches a point where, you know, they're finally out and everything, you know. What do you want me to do? Call my mom to come pick us up? And then like 10 minutes later, that is what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mom, cancer mom picks them up like, you know, two boys at the mall back in the 80s or something. Because they're too scared to go back in the house to get the keys. Yep. And I love there's a little joke in there, too, where Dave says, I don't want you to go back in there alone, Richard. And then it cuts to Richard walking in with the cell phone up to his ear (laughs) and Dave on the phone with him (laughs) telling him stuff. Yeah. Again, it's like, yeah, nope, that's fair. That's what I do. Even the part where Richard first goes up to the attic, you see Dave's at the bottom of the stairs like, please don't go up there. Please don't go up there. And Dave, uh, Richard goes up to the, by the time Richard gets to the top of the stairs, they cut back to Dave. Dave is outside the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's left. Oh, yeah, he's gone. It's two seconds. It's like impossible to have gotten yeah. out that fast, but he did. Yes. He did some kind of run that we just didn't see. It's cute. Okay, this is whole get, and then they realize the house is haunted, and they're trying to fix it up, and we're getting to see what the house can do in this another getting ready montage, and that's all fun. It's all kind of silliness. Like they're trying to plunge the toilet, oh, and yeah. black goo <laughs> spewing everywhere. Dave's trying to rake the lawn, and the ghost is throwing rocks at him. Yeah, oh, that's great. And then the bees. Yeah. Anyone with a beard of bees? It's the only beard that we get. You get a beard of bees. That's it. <laughs> and I don't think that counts because and a burrito joke. You know what? If I just spent the day plunging ectoplasmic goo out of a toilet, the last thing I would want afterwards is a burrito. I question this whole movie. (laughs) And again, another great scene. They sit down in the car together to go get lunch or whatever, take a break. And he's sitting there covered in welts from the bees. And Richard sits down covered in black goo. Uh, So, want to get something to eat? (laughs) <laughs> want a burrito yeah i picture them going to like el taco just exactly <laughs> yep yes and nobody batting an eyelash either because del taco they look kind of good for del taco no all great stuff the walls bleed the the the, the there's, there's a ghost in the mirror there's just every there's every trope but the yeah. way it's all played it's all great it's very funny uh leads to the open house michael am i doing your job for you that's why <laughs> I've learned, you, Michael. No, 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 Michael, Michael. Yeah. No, this is something that Christopher won't know because he was not here for this movie. Michael, what's the problem if you're having an open house at a haunted house and the you're serving farts. a cheese plate? Let me finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? Yes. Can I finish? Can I finish? Yes. Can I finish? Okay, I'm finished. <laughs> Sorry. It just what's it was the real problem? quick. What's the problem with having an open house at a haunted house and serving a cheese plate? You get cheese ghosts that's right that's right mm-hmm. and the last movie that we talked about we learned if you have ever eaten a piece of cheese you have probably eaten a ghost <laughs> mm-hmm. there's some important things to know about ghosts cheese is haunted and when when ginger the ghost blogger shows up and he offers her cheese she's like mm, she knows <laughs> she mm-hmm. knows and later on, when, when Barry Bostwick shows up trying to do the exorcism, there's that ghost fart. I'm like, there's that cheese. Haunted cheese leads to cheesy ghost farts. We established that on that episode, Michael. Yeah. It's just the Nobody way it goes. Nobody knows that what we're talking about. They're like, we don't pay attention to this show that much. What are you talking about? <laughs> what I do enjoy, when they're having the open house, we do have another celebrity guest. Harry Groner shows up for just like two lines. Uh-huh. Hi. Welcome. I'm Richard Scary. Richard Scary? Really? Yeah. Just like the children's book author. What children's book author? There was a children's book author named Richard Scary. 
he was the mayor on Buffy season three and a uh, Broadway actor and uh, d- d- great character stuff. You'll recognize him from things. He's one of those guys, but most notably from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I found an odd bit in, um, in one of the I don't want to know about your scenes. odd bits, Michael. <laughs> See, you did that one. That wasn't me. He covers them in poutine, eh? They have the open house. And right, Ginger the ghost blogger shows. We don't know she's a ghost blogger at first. She's a, she shows up and she's per- she's quirky and weird. Yeah. She's walking around like she knows something. They're like, oh, they're all looking at her cross-eyed. And she didn't eat the cheese. Like, mm. When it's time for the auction to start, she just loudly goes, so is this house haunted? <laughs> Do you yourself believe this house to be haunted? No, I do not. Now, whether or not this young lady is making these accusations out of a genuine, if misguided, concern for others, or if she's perhaps trying to scare away potential rivals for the property, I don't know. But what I do know is this. The walls are bleeding behind me, aren't they? Yep. They sure are. Yeah. Awesome, awesome scene as he's trying to rationalize it all. And, and it was a clever scene. He just sees it just in their faces like, yeah, it's, it, it's happening. Yeah, God damn it. And it was clever because you sit there and you think that Ginger is like trying to undercut everybody and you're not going to see anything. And you just think, oh, she researched and she's just trying to scare everybody away so she can get the house for cheap. Walls start bleeding. And that's when you find out she's the ghost blogger. So are you going to be after, after ruining the audience? Like, so you're going to buy the house? Is that why you did that? And she's like, I'm a waitress. She's like, get out. <laughs> yeah. Get out. So the open house is ruined. Also, one of the things I enjoy, like Richard has these moments with the house itself. Where he's like, when he walks in the house by himself, be like, okay, everybody, listen. Today we have what is known in the real estate world as an open house. That means for the next couple hours, people are going to walk in and out of here with the intention of buying. All we're asking from you is a couple hours of non-paranormal activity. That means no whispering, no moving objects, no bleeding walls. Don't give it any ideas. No chills up the spine, no closing and locking of doors, no opening of cabinets, no ladies in white, no gentlemen in black, no creepy little English children at the end of the hallway, no naked ladies in the bathtub who turn into old women when you kiss them, no spectral music, no making people think they peeled off their face, and no feeling of foreboding dread or impending doom. Do I make myself clear? I take your silence as implied consent. I know that change is hard, but <laughs> life has changed. Mm-hmm. And I guess the afterlife is going to be about change too, because I'm selling this house, because I need to sell this house to save my mom and save the day and blah, blah, blah. So we're not going to have any shenanigans today. Oh, and of course, no, they're like. <laughs> <laughs> they decide to call an exorcist. So we get some Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick, for the scene he's in, is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hi, I'm Father Jimmy. It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, this is my partner, Dave Ross. Oh. Uh, b- 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 business partner. We're not together. Sure. Like, a lot of times when you get in these crowdfunding movies where you do get the big names, they're half-assing, they're getting their fee, and they're out the door. He's having a ball. He's having so much fun. Oh, it, it comes across that he is loving it. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. When he... First, when he sees Richard, he you know, there's a history there. You're always such a nice little boy. It would be terrible to see you rotting in hell. You don't believe in God anymore, Richard. 
Uh, well, uh, I... You know, there is some religious content in this exorcism. Now, that's not going to offend you, is it? Uh, I'm just teasing you. But seriously, though, you're a good boy. I'd hate to see you rotting in hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slap that! <laughs> yep. Really leaning into the tropes. And he gets two feet in the door and he clutches his chest and is like, ah! Oh! What? What's wrong? What? That stained glass is beautiful. That stained glass window is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yep. It's so stupid. The whole exorcism is great. The stuff he's doing with his voice is great. Yeah, he's like singing it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's what priests do. Yeah, I know. And I got to wonder if like between cuts or whatever, they had him jog around the room 10 times or something because he looked like he was putting in a pretty big effort physically and he wasn't moving around that much. So it's, it's you know, is that a little bit of makeup or is that a little bit of behind the scenes directing? Maybe maybe Barry Bust because of glandular problem. And now that you pointed it out, that's all anybody's going to see when they watch the movie. Thank you, Michael. Well, you know what? Me and Barry Bostwick have had this thing back and forth for decades, and I'm finally going to win it by calling out his glandular problem on this podcast. (laughs) It's bad enough that probably everywhere he goes, people go, asshole, for the past, what, 40 years. But now you've added to the problem. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks a lot. Glad I could help. Yeah, but you don't help. You don't help. You do nothing. He's great, but it's the only thing that he's in. Obviously, the exorcism doesn't work. And then he's like, let's just embrace this. Let's mm-hmm. sell the house as is. <laughs> this is pretty much the trailer of them walking people through the house and pointing out all the hauntings. Yeah, like, yeah, I know this is a portal. Sometimes you open this door. Yeah, the linen closet often turns into a portal. <laughs> it's a portal yeah, to another dimension. <laughs> another great montage scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This never happens in the master bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> But also what I love, the people that they're walking through the house are great. Like these little teeny tiny characters that we're getting, like the cat lady. It'll be a mm-hmm. perfect place for you and your cats. Ah, uh-huh. she's great. <laughs> There's that little guy who's, who tries to get in the attic. He's like, no, 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 no. We don't go up into the attic ever. And he's like, well, you know, the attic is always my favorite room in any house. This is his only line, but it was so fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, he was so creepy. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> but, but perfect. Perfect. And see, nobody's buying. Nobody's buying. So they decide to give last resort. Who is that crazy girl at the auction who left her card? Let's give Ginger a call. She asks for three things to perform her her ex to, to in order to, to she could communicate with spirits. What does she need? She needs a rope, a goat, and a bottle of vodka. Tell you what, I'll keep it as a retainer. For what? You want my help with the house, don't you? Or did you just come here to bust tables and apologize? Uh. 11.30 tomorrow at the house. I'll need a rope, a goat, and a bottle of vodka. I need a rope, a goat, and a bottle of vodka. See you at midnight. Bye. Just matter (laughs) of fact. And then cut. (laughs) Cut to them standing on the porch with a goat, a bottle of vodka, and some rope. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything with the goat is great too. And she so walks stupid. up and she's yep. like, "What's with the goat? You told us. Like, you kidding. actually bought a goat? That was a joke." <laughs> and then Michael's like, "What happened to the goat? The goat just so, got ready." I was so got, worried. Mm-hmm. Michael and I, the moment I was watching it, and I was like, "If anything happens to this goat, Michael and I are gonna just like." 
cry and make Pat Patrick feel terrible. You know what happened to it? They petted her and they loved her and it got they drunk did. on vodka. That's what happened. That's what happened to the goat. But mm-hmm. now, she's got some great business with the goat. <laughs> she's like, she's petting the goat. She's like, oh, did you manage to get vodka? And Dave's like, no, we got a goat, but we couldn't find any vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And why did she need the vodka, I wonder? She said, she explained it. She said because it no, lowers inhibitions. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She needs, oh, I see. You're setting me up. Vodka, getting drunk, lowers her inhibitions so that she's able to communicate with the spirits more easily. So she has to get shit-faced first. And then she has to be tied up. So who wants to tie me up? That's how Michael and I met. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Michael's like, I'll, do, I'll do it. Day. I'll do mm-hmm. it. I know how to do a sailor nut. <laughs> sailor nut? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I told you I know how to do a sailor's nut. That was just that was the Canadian accent coming across. Do you across really though? Do you really? Do you really? Do you really though? What? Just the one though? Just the one? <laughs> just That's going to be a Patreon <laughs> bonus. Don't say bonus on my show. <laughs> People might think it's two words. <laughs> they have this little scene up, up in the attic, and she gets tied up. To keep herself protected, because she might, who knows what she's going to do. The ghosts are yeah. unpredictable. It's like, well, you know, these spirits, they're they're trapped, and um, they have trouble communicating, and Richard's like, I don't know, get out. Seems kind of clear and specific to me. And they're trying to push through into the material world. There's a knife in my bag. And that takes a lot of effort. That's why you're only getting cryptic messages like, get out. I don't know. Get out seems pretty clear and to the point to me. She starts challenging the spirits, but what happened? Dave, this was the genuinely creepy scene that was like, Mm -hmm. nice guy Dave, the sidekick, suddenly is possessed and has the knife. And it is creepy. Yeah. Yep. And not so suddenly because this is very important because Dave is, of course, outside. He has nothing to do. He's like, I'm not going in there like that. But so Dave's outside with his phone. Go for Dave. <laughs> Just average call. Go for Dave. Uh, <laughs> and this big burly ghost that we haven't yeah. seen before comes walking up the the, the, the drive the the sidewalk, Adam, and he flips out, goes running up to the attic, goes creepy man, creepy scary man, mm-hmm. which is actually the same thing that those French tourists yelled when michael howie could attack them in marie's crisis yes it was it was it was stunning to me but they said it in french yeah j'accuse i <laughs> j'accuse a creepy man big creepy scary man but yeah they get he gets possessed it's all very scary scene like i uh, he could have killed somebody or stabbed somebody yeah. and i i would not have been surprised but at least my favorite line in the movie what's my favorite line in the movie I, I don't know. We're going to need a bigger goat. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger goat. <laughs> That's right. That 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 was, yeah, I ginger. feel like the entire movie got based on that joke. And like, what situation can we create so I can say this joke? Right. That's why we need, that's why she asked for the goat. She's like, I've got this really great line that I've been sitting on. <laughs> this is Ginger. So I've been waiting mm-hmm. to say this for 30 years. But no one ever brings a goat. They brought a goat. Now I can say it. They don't need a bigger goat. It's so stupid, but so good. But yeah, okay. Um, I realize I'm not doing what I said I was going to do. We're go- we, wind up- we wind up going scene by scene because I'm reading my notes, and I don't mean to do that. But like Ginger, I think, is fantastic. Ginger is Etta Devine, who is... Uh, Richard Scary, Gabriel Diani's partner. Partner, yes. And writing partner. And she's a lot of fun. I did not like her at first, but like that first scene of hers, I'm like, I don't like yeah. her. But then I realized we're not supposed to like her. 
But the second scene, I'm like, she's a hoot. This girl's a hoot. Like that drunk, the, the scene after this possession scene where Richard's trying to get her back to yeah. her apartment and she's drunk is so on point. You're not such a bad guy, Richard. Scary. Thanks. I'm sorry I ruined your life. You didn't ruin my life. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, don't. Don't oh. cry. Just, just go to sleep. It's hot. Oh, okay, well, just don't have a cover then. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Don't leave. I think one of the things we really get in a movie like this too, again, going back to the characters in the community, is you get people who are comfortable doing different types of work with other people which makes it, again, it creates that genuine connection between characters, which makes the comedy work, increases the stakes for the horror, and overall just helps the plot move forward because they don't need to spend as much time in exposition. They can show you the comfort between people or they can show you the relationship very quickly in some of those interactions. Yeah, this happens a lot in horror movies. It's like when you have this band of friends, which is, this is eventually what this movie turns into. You get a band of friends fighting evil. When you yeah. don't buy them as friends, like your people met 20 minutes ago and if you can feel it, you're acting friends, but you can tell these people are at least all comfortable enough working enough together that, that, that I think that's where the trust for Gabriel Diani though, to become possessed, the character he plays as possessed Richard scary would be, it would genuinely be frightening to let yourself go that much. I feel like around other people because he becomes so so dark and extreme and wild and his body. But, oh, it's still, still hilarious. Really funny, but he's dangerous. Yeah. 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 And that's what makes it so much fun to watch is, he, he, as you said earlier, again, like you don't know which way this is going to go. And is he going to do something really awful or just kind of awful? Is this actually going to be scary or just silly? And you'd never know which way it's going to go. Yeah, and knowing their partners in real life, there's a, the scene when he starts kind of getting possessed and she kisses him to pull away. You know, she's kind of like, you know, if you're comfortable and stuff. Because kissing counteracts negative energy. And mm -hmm. the kiss is so genuine. And at that point... Th Which is the line I used on Michael Howie, but he didn't buy it. That's when I actually went and I looked and it was like, okay, yeah, they're real life partners. Because that kiss, I was like, that is like one of the best movie kisses where it just seemed like two people who really kiss a mm. lot right without going to tongue city yeah. yeah and now patrick has bent over laughing now just picture the postcard for you know, greetings from tongue city sorry it's stupid i went but um yeah, no he's great he's great and, she, and she's also playing genuine fear mm -hmm. when she realizes that this that it's not him anymore richard <sighs> that's my name my name is richard yes are you okay Wonderful. Fantastic alive. Why am I acting strange and unnatural as though I were possessed or something? No! Because I'm not. Possessed, I mean. What's the matter? Am I acting unnatural or strange like I'm possessed or something? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. You are. Mm -hmm. Just, she, so she's already, because she's already figured out. She's like, listen, I don't, that, that ghost that came in, he, that, 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 the ghost of Oliver Crandall shouldn't be there. He didn't die in the house. Why is he here? There's something else going on. I think that there's an, some sort of spirit or demon or something ancient that's, that possessed Oliver Crandall and made him do the murders. It must be an AU, uh, UAE, a UAE, which stands for Unnamed Ancient Evil, mm -hmm. which led to one of my favorite lines in the film. But I prefer Dick. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which is all my business cards. I prefer dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's again, it's it's all of these little jokes in there that if you see that in a lot of other comedy writing, it's a room and the jokes get passed around and punched up and punched up and punched up. But these ones feel like genuine moments that came on stage maybe or came between a writer and another performer as opposed to a big thing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A big thing in your face. Big thing, right? It's not face. all in your face yeah. kind of humor coming at yeah. you like that. I hate you so much, Michael <laughs> Howie. I hate you. I just can't say anything. If only. <laughs> no, but then then, then my, my, my listeners won't be jacking it to your voice. Mm, so true. what am I going to say? Because I do have listeners that jack it to your That's voice. Fine. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi, Mike in Vancouver. Hell, I jacked <laughs> a Mike's voice. Who wouldn't? <laughs> That's That's okay. There you go. <laughs> oh, it was one time and I was drunk. It was one time and I was drunk. It's just okay. the, twice, the vibration, twice. that tone, you know? Mm. It's, true. it's true. If you sit on your, if you sit on your, your speaker, never mind. I hate myself. <laughs> Mike's like, eh. Again, Patreon bonuses are available. Uh-huh. So for the, for, the, for the duration of most of the rest of the movie, Richard has been possessed by this ancient unnamed evil who is trying to get a permanent stay in his body. In order to do that, it needs one more kill. It needed 13 mm-hmm. back in the day and only got 12. So now it's the time to kill one last person. And this is, again, where it, gets to, where, where it teeters between comedy and true horror when he's trying to kill Ginger but can't. She's like, ha-ha, you can't kill me because you love me. And he's like, you know what, you're right. You can't do it, can you? You want to know why? It's because Richard's still in there, and he won't let you kill me. You're right. He likes you too much. I just have to find someone who won't mind me killing. Cut to Mary Beth, and you're like, oh, fuck. Are we going to go here? Are we going to go here? But at least this great scene in, 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 in the office, which is high comedy. We've set up marijuana priorities that the, that the, uh, the mom has, yep. and you see him mashing up her Marinol tablets and making brownies out of it. And he's brought it into the office and gives it as a gift to Mary Beth. The two other office workers are so damn funny. Oh, they are so, <laughs> so perfect. Damn funny. Yep. <laughs> they don't have much to do, but they're great because I think Carl, the guy Carl, I worked with that guy, and it was literally the same guy. Carl can't shut up about Amer- America's Next Top Model. I worked with that guy. Sometimes I've been that guy. <laughs> yeah. No. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Everyone has, and that's what makes him great. He's just. He just wants to chat. And he won't shut up. Like he he corners, and it's a possessed Richard too. It's like, what are you talking about? He finally he's like, listen, I gotta go, I gotta go. But he like dismisses him. He goes over to the other coworker, and she's like, oh, listen, Carol. And he just, she's just Carl, what did I say about you talking to me? I know. And then he just keeps trying. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Right. It's only if it's professional. <laughs> only if it's work related. Well, it's kind of work related because America's Next Top Model is kind of my job. Shut up, Carl. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> they have this scene where they're trying to get into Mary's computer. Mary offers to buy the house back from them when they can't sell it. And they're like, something's wrong. Why is she not going to do? Oh, she must have a buyer. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to buy it. So she's going to sell it back to us for less. So she still makes a profit. Blah, 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 blah. They have to break into her computer. The two guys are doing that. They're trying to figure out the password. And the woman comes back and goes, what are you guys doing? Hacking into Mary's computer. Cool. <laughs> Just totally on board. Yeah. And then Carl comes by, what are you doing? What's going on, guys? Corporate espionage. Cool. Yes, yes that's what I think you might need a lookout. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just willing to get in on screwing over Mary and hacking into her computer. We all hate Mary. Mm-hmm. Everybody hates Mary. She's awful. She's awful with a smile. Yes. Well, 
Richard, is it okay if I pray for your mom? Fuck you. Oh, yeah. Fuck you. After fucking him over on the house. Fuck you. But yeah, it's all good stuff. Well, that whole bit, it just, she's perfect in that whole role of being the bitch at the office. I mean, her password is princess. She screws everybody over. But great at her job. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. At she something. knows what she's doing. She's brilliant at this job, which is screwing over people. And she knows how to make every situation work out for Mary Best. But yes. Within ethical lines. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't know the house was haunted. <laughs> and then she I finds have no idea the buyer. And she even gives them the, she even gives them the advice on how to sell. She's like, listen, you just like, how are we supposed to sell? And she's like, well, just pretend you don't know what's haunted. Mm-hmm. Walks away big smile. Like I did in the subtext. <laughs> Suckers. Well, she had lined up a buyer too. Who was yes. an outstanding business name, the International the inter- Association of Witches. You mean like hippie witches or sexy Halloween witches? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Dave goes right there. Mm-hmm. And when he meets the clients, are you it's like, she <laughs> don't. I got a little thrown off because one of them was named Dorothy Parker. One of the witches started buying the house. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Parker was a you know society poet and humorist. Back in the day, and I only learned recently was Googling it because I'm like, is she a lesbian? Turns out she was not, but turns out she's the she's the inspiration for the phrase friend of Dorothy, not Dorothy, as in Judy Garland. Oh, wow. interesting. That was the code, code for gay came from Dorothy Parker because the gays loved her because she's considered the origin of shade. Hmm. Modern shade. Fun, but no, but then the other one had a name. I'm like, I Googled the other one's name, a Lily, a Lillian Ader. It's just like dead old women. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> just regular dead old farm women. Showing them the house was fun, too, because they're like, we have a buyer. We have someone who's interested in buying the house. They bring the witches to – this is before he gets possessed. I'll have to fix this in post. Before they, they, get, they get a buyer for the house, two buyers for the house, and they go, go sell the house. Who want it to be haunted? They want to buy a haunted house. That's why they're coming. They're witches. We're going to – that's why they want it. And it does nothing. It does nothing. The house just sits there being a house. Nothing in the mirrors, no doors opening, closing, no portals, nothing. It, the house is just like, yeah, fuck you. We're having too much fun messing with you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Starts to mm-hmm. feel kind of personal. He's like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I finally find two people crazy enough to want to buy a haunted house, and you decide it's a good time to start acting normal. Well... It certainly is lucky Ginger uploaded all that bleeding wall footage to Ghost Blog so I could show them on their phones. Otherwise, they might not have wanted to buy the place. But fortunately, the witches are a fan of Ghost Blog. Yeah, 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 and they saw the bleeding walls on there. So the walls, the walls bleed, you say? Yeah. Not on cue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's acting out possession scenes or, you know, ghost scenes and stuff to them, and they're mm-hmm. just looking at him like... And they threw him on the ground. I was like, ah, ah, ah. And then I was like, ah. <laughs> and there was a girl over here, and then she was over there. <laughs> Trying to explain the, 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 the ghost in the mirror and show them, but there's no ghost there. He's like, it was right there. Yeah, you open the medicine cabinet, close it. And we're going to close it, we're going to open it again. And we're going to close it, we're going to open it again. <laughs> and ta-da, nothing. And ta-da, nothing. We've all been there in life. Great little bits, little bits. There's a scene where he calls Ginger while she's at work and she's answering while she's dealing with patrons. There are two women at the table, only have like two lines a piece, like, excuse me, we're ready to order that kind of thing. But one of them is like just 
got that finger up the whole time. I'm like, I could tell if this scene went on, we're going to get this huge Karen moment. But she just sells this whole, like, I am so primed to rip you to pieces. It's a wonderful thing. Just her face. Mm-hmm. The whole scene is extra. is fantastic. This is why I'm saying, like, top to bottom casting is all brilliant. Everyone's yes. on their A game, even if they're extras. That's something that you really get, uh, uh, I have found, in great ensemble comedy is they find a way to make every character count. Yes. Because everybody has a role to play. Everybody can be a part of the joke or the setup or the punchline. Whereas, as we were saying in a horror, it's kind of like, well, we just need to fill these roles sometimes. Yeah. And you just need to say the thing because then it puts us in the situation that we want to be in to show you something scary. So it's tying those elements together in such a great way of we're going to make you laugh as we set up these tense moments. And then very frequently mm-hmm. they smash away from them. So you still don't get a real, uh, a real understanding of what happened. You were going to say release again, weren't you? And <laughs> I caught myself. <laughs> He's, learning. Uh-huh. He's learning. I was really close to cookie. release and then I saw Patrick's face and decided not to. <laughs> oh, that one was mean. I'm sorry. I love your face. It's lovely. My face got really small. <laughs> and I'll just scrunch up. <laughs> got Maya Murphy, Kermit the Frog face. You don't know who that is. Anyway, um, I sold you, bitch. I say when he walks out of the house mm-hmm. and just looks at the heavens and screams, I sold you, bitch. I sold you, bitch. <laughs> That was wonderful because it's not over. No, it's not over. There's this whole like slapsticky stuff with Brownie Brownie who's got the brownies yep. because, of course, he brought the brownies for Mary Best into the office and there's other people in the office. And what happens when there's snacks in the office? Everyone just descends on them. Yes. So it's every, trying to get brownies away from people, getting them back to Mary Best and where they're supposed to go. And they're just, and it turns out Mary Best is bulimic. Mm-hmm. Yes. The person I watched the, the person that I watched with the other night was very offended by this. And I see that. I thought about that as that. well. There was a couple of moments. The other one is actually just the drugging itself was a little ooh, some people might have a little bit of trouble watching that. Yeah. The throat sledding totally fine though. Oh no, I'm cool with that. Okay, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought about it. I thought about it. I'm like, I'm like much like the cancer, it like she she was upset that it was a they made believe me a punchline and i said is it a punchline or is it a plant device i'm not sure because i have to tell an awful story right now mm. where is it awful it's justified okay i worked at a theater years ago, and just working in theater you work a lot with people who wind up having eating disorders it's the entertainment industry there's a lot of pressure yep. on people to look their best and men and women I've, I've dealt with this this particular job i was living in a house with three girls on the beach in malibu one was a bulimic Canadian and a thief. She was robbing people in the cast repeatedly. Like she had long breaks where everybody else was on stage and she'd go through and take a credit card and like run up stuff on her phone and put it back. And we were figuring it out. And she stole this one particular day. She stole the credit card of a girl in the cast who was extremely poor. She stole her EBT card. She stole the the food stamps. Oh, oh, girl. Yeah. Wow. Damn. They didn't have food stamps in there, but it's the EBT card. And we were just like, like we knew she did it because we, we knew, we all knew, we all knew what was going on. And, you know, we stopped caring while, while it's this stuff. But you're like, shit, are we going to figure this out? She said she doesn't know. And just, oh, we know it's in there. We know it's in there. And 
I came up with the idea. I'm like, we have to wait till she's in the bathroom mm. purging because we know that's going to be 10 minutes. It's always 10 minutes. And we know when she's done because we can all hear it. Go in there, check her room while she's in there. So I've done that. I've used <laughs> someone's illness like that as a prop for good. And that's – well, granted, he was doing it for evil. I don't know what I'm – I don't know what I'm saying. But I'm just saying they're, they're, I thought I thought it was – I didn't have a problem I, with yeah, it. I, I don't think they the set it up as a joke, but I can very clearly see how it could easily be upsetting for people to see or interpret as a joke and be upset by yeah. it. I think it's a very thin line there. It's a very thin line. And – they, I mean, I because that part of it was never played for laughs. I was going to no. say, they still treated it. It was kind of like, because I've also been around people, uh, somebody close to me had bulimia, and they played it very much like that, where they showed how people try to hide this. So in a certain roundabout way, yeah, it was unpleasant. And I could see where somebody would say, hey, they played it for laughs, but... For a lot of people who haven't seen that, they kind of showed how that affects a person, especially a high-performing person, and how she goes to different rooms, and then, you know, she just sneaks into the bathroom. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was kind of like Mike and you, where it was like, huh, I wonder how this will play out, but they didn't play it totally for laughs. It certainly does give depth to the character again. And that's something they've done a lot of. It does give some vulnerability to the character that we haven't had before. And that does come into play in this last reel. Because, like, we can't hate her this whole movie. Yeah. No. We do want to, We do ultimately want Mary Best not to die. Because if, if she dies, that means Richard Scarry is now the villain. Yeah. And we don't want that to happen. So we do want her to be safe. So we do want her to be And it does give her some vulnerability. And like I said, it's all about brownie, brownie. Who's got the brownie? There's a reason why Mary Best is never getting the brownie. And this was a good reason why she's getting them, but she's not getting doped. Yeah. And then the hard sell. Because everyone else in the office is dropping like flies. Yeah. <laughs> they're out. They're out. Trying to hide they're people. And... He's putting people under desks and just cramming the one guy. And, and, and eventually wind up, he just had to run out the clock on her. He's like, I'm going to lock the bathroom door so she can't get in. We're going to pretend that somebody's in there. And we're just going to wait for that brownie to take effect. Mm-hmm. So he gets her, takes her to the house, and is going to kill Mary Best. And it's a very tense. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'm not going to tell you what happens. I do want you to see this movie. Um, we'll talk vaguely about the end. There's some great moments. Like, the stakes do get really high. Yeah. And I'm like, I, this might not pan out for our guys here. I love to see, but they, like, mom has to come in and try to save the day. Well, don't you take that tone of voice with me. Mr. <laughs> Ancient, unnamed, evil, or whatever it is you are, I don't care what dimensional rift you crawled out from under. I carried that body in me for nine months and, and spent 12 hours in labor to pop it out. That body belongs to me. It is mine and you will not have it. Do you understand? I made him. He's mine. That body is mine. I carried it in my body for nine months and you can't have it. It was a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the Passionate scene. The mom stuff. Because then she's like, look at me when I'm talking to you. I mean, just all those. <laughs> and he, and and he does, like, yeah. She's in the hospital at this point. She's had a turn. She's been in the hospital for the second half of the movie, so she's really sick. And a ginger goes to get her in. She's like, listen, you got to come help us because there's something wrong with Richard. This we get in. She's like, okay, well, we got to go. Well, how are we going to get there? I don't have a car. She's like, well, we're going to steal an ambulance. And she does. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, nope, that, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to do it. We're going to get it done. We're going to fix the situation. It doesn't matter uh-huh. what's going on. I've done this before. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she stole an ambulance mm-hmm. before because she was great. But that setup, that whole sequence could be so silly and over the top and unenjoyable. 
I think the reason that all of the stuff with the mom works there and doesn't come across as cheesy is because, again, they subtly set up for the entire film who this woman is, what their relationship is, and this this feels right that she would do this. It doesn't feel like, oh, and then mom's going to come in and fix everything. Like it, 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 it gen- it, again, it's genuine. It feels like the correct order of things. And it's fun and it's surprising, but I think that's just the benefit of the outstanding character writing throughout the film that they can Mm -hmm. get to these sequences and it's believable and enjoyable and scary and funny and everything it needs to be. And that line that she has, you don't get to go before me. She delivers with heart ripper. Yes. Yes. That either hearing that you just go, oh, okay, let's, let's all go over there and help out now. We, we got to make this happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. And that there's a final battle and things do not, the end does not go the way I expected it was to go at all, but it's a great ending. Yeah. It's a great ending. Yeah. It's, it's fun to surprise. And we're going to be. I have heard so many actors talk about they find drama easier because the risk of not the, of not pulling it off as well in drama is not as significant as it is in comedy. Drama doesn't necessarily have a timing yeah. to it. Comedy has timing. There's a lot of things that you have to get absolutely perfectly or it doesn't work. And it's one of those things you either have that, you have that instinct in you or you don't. Mm-hmm. And you can't often fix that timing thing with editing. It shows. Well, oh, yeah. A lot of times with co- comedic horror, I I love it when it's good, but when it's bad, because it's such a device to be funny. You've got lighthearted music. And then so many other things when they go dark, it just, it seems so forced, kind of like, okay, we've been funny. Now let's just be dark. And now let's just kind of go back and forth. And they try to force it. Whereas these guys, because like you said, it's not when they all come together, you really believe that they're friends. They don't linger with anything too long. It's a movie to really be appreciated. Because my whole beef with, with, comedy horror why they usually get it wrong is they usually go too far one way or too far for for the other like the the horror overwhelms the comedy but normally it's the comedy they can't they can't turn it off and so you just sucked all the the scares out of the horror so now it's just dumb there's no stakes yeah we're gonna use everything as a joke and this doesn't do that everything is not a joke well i i think too comedy even the jokes aren't jokes it's banter yes it's like old-fashioned banter absolutely that's why i said there's an old there's an old-fashioned quality to it I think, too, one of the things that happens in horror is the use of comedy can be so perfect. And and one of my fa- and it sticks with me still, and I still giggle about it, in Cloverfield, when the two groups meet up again, and they go, there's something horrible out there. What's that? De- like, why are you running away? And he goes, uh, um, something worse, also terrible. And then they just all run yes. it. It's, it's just, it's a throwaway line that made me laugh out loud in the theater because it breaks the tension so perfectly in the right way at the right time. Because it wasn't funny to them. Yeah, exactly. It's not funny to them. Yeah. It's just a genuine reaction. Yeah, everyone is very concerned about everyone else's safety in this movie. And that really saves it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not saves it, but elevates yes. it. A bit more. I love this little movie, and we did a shit job talking about it. I'm sorry, guys. 
I'll fix it all in post. No, we did. I'm sorry. I love this little movie, and I think we've done a brilliant job selling it to you, selling you the selling without ruining the selling because it's really hard to ruin. I don't want to ruin it for you because nobody's seen this movie. It's a little gem that's just hiding out there, and I just stumbled on it by accident. It is outstanding and worthy of a, an evening watch. Uh, if you have someone in your life who loves horror and does so, for someone who doesn't love horror like me, I love comedy. This is perfect. It is scary enough that a horror fan's going to enjoy it and you're going to see things you love. And Patrick, you pointed out all of those tiny little Easter eggs that the writers put in throughout it. Uh, and for a comedy fan, this is outstanding comedy. Bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, dry-ass comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's called The Selling of that Scary... That doesn't sound pleasant. I, that doesn't sound pleasant now that I said that out loud. It's dry, dry comedy. It's dry, dry comedy. Dry comedy like but, a martini. Um, since you said... Yes. Not, <laughs> dirty martini. <laughs> since you brought up the Easter eggs, what I also enjoyed about this, like given some of the other horror things that have come out this year, whether you've seen them or it doesn't matter, people are like, oh my God, just catch that Easter egg, catch that reference to that film, just catch the rest of the old film, just catch that reference to another film. I'm like, yes, they made it extremely obvious that every idiot... And sitting out here would have gotten it. The Easter eggs here are actually Easter eggs that you have to look for. You have to be paying attention. They don't they don't highlight them. No, I didn't catch any. And they're, of them. They're, they're in the dialogue. They're, they reference other movies in the dialogue without going, I'm referencing poltergeist right now. Yeah. yeah. When they do lean into a trope, they spin it at the end. So it's like, oh, uh, they're doing that thing, and then it's like, ah, I see why they did the thing, because they wanted to spin it and do this, which actually serves a purpose. They wanted to do the thing. The other thing that's not the thing that they were doing, the thing that you thought the thing that they were going to think, thing, thing, thing. Exactly. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> What's on okay, third? Um, final, final thoughts of the selling. My final thoughts of the selling. I think I might have just done the picture. Anyway. Chris, I keep wanting to call him Chris because that's a freak, frequent guest of the show. Gabe DeAnne and co., haven't been doing a lot lately, and I want to see more of them. I want to see everybody in this movie doing something else. I want to see them all doing stuff together. That's how much I enjoyed this movie. I would love to see a sequel to The Selling if they could possibly do that. I don't have it. But yeah, sure, sure they could. They could do anything. Yeah. I think there's a great opportunity for, for more from the crew. I think there's a great opportunity to continue this story or do something entirely new. But they have shown as a group. They excel and pull off a story, and I'm on board. I want to see more, too. On a budget. Yeah. Because this is all crowdfunded. This is on a budget. I absolutely adored this movie, much like everything that you've recommended to me that we've talked about. I'm like, man, this is really charming. Down to the groovy music, down to every little thing about this movie, because the music gives a scooby-doo feel it just the music moves it every single thing about the writing comes together so it's a great movie maybe we didn't sell it the best but we did and i love this movie so much the three of us together are enough of a selling point i forgot to mention plus 10 10 extra points to the selling for having animated credits yes i was going to comment on that too so much fun I always yes. love that. So much fun. I do too. It, it, it gave it a Pink Panther vibe mm -hmm. to it, which was fun. And I can't believe the gay guy noticed. Did you notice the boobs on the female cartoons? <laughs> I, I haven't. No, didn't jump out at me. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally just like sideways threes. They're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what boobs are like, Patrick. Oh, are yeah. they? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's how I would have. I might have drawn boobs when, like, when I was a kid. Mm. Boobs. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's these fancy little dresses and these three number three boobs. Okay. Okay. That's the selling. Boys, what's going on with you? Where can people find out more about you and your podcasts and, and your your social media sexiness? We're both polite, so Mike's letting me go first. Okay. Well, for me, you can find me on Twitter at C Grunland, G-R-O-N-L-U-N-D. As far as podcasts, I do a podcast called Men in Gorilla Suits. The one that I put the most effort into is a fiction podcast called Not About Lumberjacks, where you never know what kind of story it's going to be, but you can be sure as shit that you're never going to hear a story about lumberjacks, except when Mike Howie narrates a story about... Somebody Mike in Howie a throws camp. everything off. It, 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 all rules, all rules are off when Mike Howie shows up. If you like so we what understand. Mike and I do, you should go and you should listen to the hide behind because Mike narrates that so well. And if you think Mike has a sexy voice, you should hear him read a horror story because that is actually the only true horror story on Not About Lumberjacks. So that's what I've been up to, Mike. Well, I'm, yeah, well, I'm afraid when Michael Howie hides behind. <laughs> Like, what you doing back there, Mike Howie? What you doing? I'm just checking out the poutine. How dare you? You're welcome. How dare you? You're welcome. <laughs> I'm on Defender Radio and the Switch Podcast on Apple I, or Apple iTunes. What's it called? Apple Podcasts. Sure. Spotify. <laughs> Apple iTunes. <laughs> Apple iTunes. <laughs> just look me up on the Microsoft iTunes and your Apple uh, TV. I don't know. The, use the technology and search for Defender Radio. You can find me, though, on Instagram at Howie Michael. And if you heard a lot of click clacks or any other animal sounds on my end, you can probably see pictures of them on that account. And uh, I really appreciate Patrick inviting us to come on again. It's always a joy to watch a movie and chat about it with my beard bros. Beard bros. Where's that beard at? Beard's on my face. Beard's on my face. Where's that beard at? Beard's on my face. Where's that beard at? Beard's on my face. Beard's on my face, too. Take care, guys. Fabulous having here. (laughs) Get off my shelf. Okay. Okie dokie. Okay. <laughs> Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Thanks for having us, eh? Yeah. That was the that was the most Michael Howie ending ever. Okie dokie. That's how but he says that when he pulls out. I was gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's heavy grunting, heavy grunting, heavy grunting. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. <laughs> Sound of a Canadian having sex in the wild. <laughs> By the way, Michael, this came up with another Canadian podcaster that I was talking to. Yes, I'm seeing other oh Canadian podcasters. I'm sorry to break it to you. Um, he just tossed us out in conversation. He's like, well, we're talking about this movie that had this big incest vibe. And he's like, well, you know, that's just Canadian films for you. Because if you've ever read the book Weird Sex and Snowshoes, that they talk about this all the time. I was like, what, what, what? And he talked for two minutes and I'm like, I didn't hear anything you said after Weird Sex and Snowshoes. It's a film about Canadian filmmaking, a book about Canadian filmmaking called Weird that Sex. That doesn't and surprise me. We do a lot of odd stuff and a lot of art stuff because one of the, it's an interesting reality. A lot of Canadian filmmaking and art <laughs> grants, <laughs> no, genuinely, because yeah, one yeah. of the things they look for is what separates you from the American version of this. 
It's it's how no, do it we make sense. this Canadian? And that's where you'll get like a really cool story. Weird sex, snowshoes, funny voices. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Like it, you just throw in a twist and be like, oh, and he has a pet beaver. Um, and then it's like a, a serious police drama, but the dude has a pet beaver and it's based in, you know, Medicine Hat, which is a place in Canada. The internet censored everything you just said, but that's okay. You yeah, froze for a moment, it, you okay. went, and then Medicine Hat. And the Canadian government is like, <laughs> uh huh. And then you came back with Medicine Hat. Yeah, that's how a lot of sentences end. <laughs> Canada pierogies. <laughs> pierogies. I've got three different types of pierogies in the freezer right now. Uh huh. That doesn't surprise. No, me. no, no, no. And I told him it made sense just because, like, you guys have those grants. Yeah, uh, you're federally funded. You can take risks and go places that a commercially based profit thing that's not going by algorithms and profit. Uh, you know target mark target audiences and stuff we'll be able to take okay and you and they go for the weird sex and snowshoes crap yes gets them every time <laughs> fuck the 18 to 25 set we want the snowshoe fuckers that's what we want <laughs> yeah that's 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 all anyone wants right he's frozen again. he's frozen he's like <laughs> that's the most terrifying thing <laughs> i know that <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> Yes. You were like, the Canadian government's getting upset that I'm sending our trade secrets away. This is not part of NAFTA. No, that was the funniest thing. <laughs> Good times. Get off my show. I'll tell you soon. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. It can't get better than that. Oh, my God. Either on Instagram, at Howie Michael. And if you heard a lot of click clacks or any other animal sounds on my end, you can probably see pictures of them on that account. And uh, I really appreciate Patrick inviting us to come on again. It's always a joy to watch a movie and chat about it with my beard bros. Beard bros. Beards yeah, on my face. Well, Beards on my, my face. Where's that beard at? Beards on my face. Beards on my where's face. Where's that beard at? Beards Whatever. on my face. Beards on my face, too. Take care, guys. Fabulous having okay. you. Get off my show. Okay. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. That was super fun. Thanks once again to Michael Howie and Christopher Grawlin for coming on and hanging out with me. And hey, patrons, if you can't get enough of Christopher and Michael, then keep your eye out on your inboxes because you're going to get a whole bunch of secret conversations that Chris, Michael, and I had before we started recording. All kinds of weird, freaky outtake stuff, including Michael Howie's secret obsession with gay bathhouses. What does that mean? I don't know. It's for patron ears only. And just a reminder, if we wet your whistle talking about the selling, you could check out the movie for yourself on Amazon Prime or Tubi.com, or you could come hang out and watch it with everybody over at the Scream Queens virtual drive-in at my Sunday night, my Sunday night watch party that I do every Sunday night, and we're going to be showing the selling on April 2nd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, www.screamqueens.com slash drive-in. So last time on the show, I covered the movie Dolls, and we had a question whether or not it was a full moon film or not, and we went down a little bit of a full moon rabbit hole, and that inspired listener Jay Bear to leave me a full moon voicemail. Christopher, my husband, has never seen a single full moon picture. 
I have a lot of work to do. As bad as most of them are, the full moon movies are like my favorites. I only own one and it's The Dead Hate the Living and that's one of the lower quality, but I love it. Full moon movies raised me in the 90s. <laughs> Dollman, Demonic Toys, Subspecies, Castle Freak. Oh God, I love oh, Dollman versus Demonic Toys. That was a good one. I would love like a giant box set with all the full moon movies in it. That would be so many movies and it would probably cost so much money. But I want it so bad. Nostalgia for me was going to the movie rental place with my cousin and renting five B-movies on Friday night. Going home and watching at least two of those that night. Like we finished with five movies by Saturday and we would go back and get more and watch more on Sunday. So, And it was usually always horror movies because that's what I liked. Okay, Jay Bear, thank you very much for the voicemail. I'm glad that you like full moon movies. I said last time I'm not a big fan, but I'm glad that you are. And it's cool that they raised you. I mean, had video stores been around when I was growing up, they would have raised me too and said, I just got boring old regular television. So you all fancy girl, you fancy. So now a couple of you have asked me, Patrick, how come you're not doing Boots Watch like you used to do Smoochie Watch? We miss Smoochie Watch. Well, I would, except that I can't. I'm legally not allowed to because it turns out Boots is a secret agent for the government. She's a spy. But not like a modern spy, like, you know, Mission Impossible kind of spy. Were they spies? I don't know what the fuck they were. I don't know what the fuck they were. She's, you know, the mod 1960s kind of Austin Powers kind of sidekick spy. Say, I thought her boots were Nancy Sinatra, but they're not. They're not. She's actually Diana Rigg from the Avengers. She's Mrs. Peel. Or, well, she will be when she grows up. She's still in training and she's still a kid, but she's a serious spy. How did you figure this out, Patrick? That's a weird thing to find out about your pet. Well, this is what happens. I started to realize that every time I took a shower, Boots would hop up on the edge of the tub on the other side of the shower curtain and face out. And she'd stand there the whole time. Not watching me shower, because that would be weird. No, she stands there like a bouncer at a nightclub. And after about a week of this, I looked at her and I said, Boots, Boots, how come you're watching me all the time when I take a shower? And she looked at me, put on her sunglasses and said, That's classified information, Steve. Boots, my name isn't Steve. Right. Of course your name's not Steve. Steve. So yes, her code name is Boots. She calls me Steve. She calls everyone Steve. I don't understand it. Cats are weird. Secret agent cats are weirder. So before I wrap things up, I would be remiss if I did not thank my partners in crime, those audio geniuses over at Squadcast FM. Squadcast FM provides remote recordings for professional podcasters. There are a whole lot of imitators right now, but Squadcast did it first, and Squadcast did it best. Sure, you could diddle around with Zoom. Sure, you could diddle around with Skype, but you're going to sound like crap. Maybe you don't notice the difference, but your listeners do. And bad audio is the number one reason people stop listening to podcasts. I can't abide anymore any of those shows where people have like one Blue Yeti microphone and like seven people standing around it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Your listeners deserve better. You deserve better. And when it comes to remote recording, sure, you can pile a whole bunch of people on Skype and use shitty webcams. But why? Why? Especially when you can try Squadcast for free and be like me. You can get a seven-day free trial of Squadcast by going to www.screamqueens.com slash Squadcast and join the cool kids. So next time, I'm going to be joined by filmmaker Alan Rode Kelly. And we are going to be talking about the 1966 Gothic Mystery Sleaze Fest 
Picture Mommy Dead, starring Zsa Zsa Gabor. The movie is available for free on YouTube, and it's an absolute hoot. Please check it out before coming to the show, because Alan and I are having a field day romping through all this campy silliness. So, after you watch Picture Mommy Dead on YouTube, and I know you will watch it, or after you watch The Selling, and I know you will watch it, and you have something you want to tell me about it, you can drop me a line. I want to hear from you. You can drop me a line on social media, but how do I do that, Patrick? Well, that's really easy. You can find me on Facebook by going to ScreamQueens.com slash Facebook. I'm on Twitter at ScreamQueens. I'm on Instagram at ScreamQueensPodcast. Or you can be like Jaybear and leave me a voicemail. How do I do that? Well, you can go to the website, www.ScreamQueens.com, and use that big red tab on the right. Click it, and you've got two minutes to spill your guts all over my face. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful Screamers, continue to make the world a more fabulously creepy place. And never, ever, ever forget that Scream Queen's golden rule. Mm-mm-mm. Say it with me. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Wear a fucking mask. Wash your fucking hands. Keep your fucking distance. Get the fucking shot if you can. And never, ever forget for a second how much I love you. <laughs> The music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.